My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In this time of shaking, I think people recognize, you know what? I don't know what my foundations are. I want to look into things. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated with Tanya Gooden, the podcast that helps you untangle your relationship with your phone. Because we've all been. This is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world and about understanding why sometimes that's so hard to do. Because in learning how to step away from our phones more, we're actually learning how to focus more on our relationships, our work and our health, leaving us happier, healthier and with hours more time in our day. I'm your host, Tanya Gooden, author and founder of digital wellbeing movement Time to Log Off. Each week, I'll be asking a new guest what they've learned about themselves from the relationship they have with the tiny tyrant in their pocket, their smartphone. I've just come back from my daily walk along the banks of the River Thames in London, where I live. And I thought I really should have recorded this intro while I was walking because my guest this week is someone who literally when the pandemic struck got on his bike and went outside. I'm talking to the portable priest Pat Allerton who is the vicar of St Peter's in Notting Hill. If you've ever seen the Notting Hill film you'll be very familiar with the little lovely coloured houses in Portobello Road and in the Notting Hill area. And Pat's church is right at the centre of that community. He's called the Portable Priest on Instagram because when lockdown hit, instead of reverting to doing a church service on a screen, he got on a bike, a tricycle, took a set of speakers and went to his congregation. Actually went to quite a lot of different areas of London. Uh, not just people who'd been to his church before, and took a hymn and a prayer with him. And I remember when I saw the TV coverage being really struck by how well it was all received 
by people who were longing for that kind of face-to-face, in-person connection. It made me think about those films we all saw at the beginning of the pandemic, of everybody singing to each other across balconies in Italy. So a lot of what I'm talking to Pat about today is about that craving for connection, that craving for meaning, for community, the reception he got when he took faith to people. The surprising fact maybe that one in four adults in the UK actually logged on to an online service during the pandemic. Maybe it's not that surprising. Maybe we were all trying to make sense of what was going on in the last 12 months. So we talk quite a lot about whether faith is more accessible on a screen or off a screen. There's some evidence that Generation Z are attending services more than their kind of older millennial counterparts because they're finding the ability to watch a church service on the screen is a lot less threatening. And we also talked, as I said, about that real sense of community that you get when you gather together and how Pat recreated that in lockdown. We also touch on his own relationship with technology. He admits himself that he wasn't a great user of social media before the pandemic, but like everybody else, he's learned how to use it. And he is the portable priest on Instagram. And he's got people from all over the world connecting with him and his church there, including, as he told me, a woman in Argentina who now dials into his services on YouTube. So a lovely chat with Pat, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Pat, hi, welcome. Welcome to It's Complicated. Thanks, Tanya. Are, are we on the record now? or uh, We are. Will you tell? We are. Fantastic. Uh, it's great so, to should be we do you. that again? Welcome. Welcome to It's Complicated. Thank you, Tanya. Great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me on. So, the reason I wanted to get you on was because in lockdown last year, I did, I did read a lot about you, Pat, in the press. I'm and so I think sorry. I saw I saw you on the BBC. I think I saw you. Was there a breakfast TV? Pre- I mean, it, there, there seemed to be a lot. And it was lovely. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking at the time that I really wanted to talk to you for the podcast, because I think what happened when the pandemic hit was we all retreated behind screens, didn't we? Even more than we were doing just before the pandemic, which was quite a lot. Yeah. And churches closed and lots of churches, you know, kind of set up on screen services. But you got on your bike with a set of speakers and decided to take your church to the people. And I just I loved reading about how you did that. I was wondering if you could just kind of talk us through what made you decide to do that instead of just logging on to Zoom like everyone, everyone else seemed to be doing. <laughs> Yeah, a good question. Well, first thing to say is I did log on to Zoom like everyone else right from the get-go too. I mean, we got hit with the news for understandable reasons that obviously everything was shutting down and buildings were going to need to close, including church buildings, and people weren't going to be able to gather. So we knew immediately, okay, we need to provide, you know, our service and ministry to people and all who need it. So we knew we needed to go online. So we started doing that and we we go out on YouTube every week still at 10.30 a.m. St. Peter's Notting Hill. But I also just felt prompted. I was standing outside my door and it was that glorious spring weather, which we're looking forward to now, aren't we, coming back. But I was standing outside the locked uh, doors of our church and I just suddenly thought, and I'm always thinking like, how can we 
you know, how can we get faith and, you know, God back on people's radar? You know, he's dropped off the radar of so many in the West and in the UK and London, particularly in recent years and decades. So I'm always thinking as an evangelist, how can I, how can I put him back on people's radar and help people realize, you know, he's alive, that the church is alive. So that's how I'm wired anyway. But the thought just simply entered my head outside church that day. What if I headed to the streets with a speaker, a loudspeaker system, and just took a hymn and a prayer to the parish? You know, if the thinking being, if people can't go to church, well, maybe church can go to the people. So that idea just entered my head. And it's exactly the sort of thing that I get excited about. You know, I've led prayer meetings on Parliament Square with hundreds of people, you know, a thousand people once. And that sort of thing, just looking to just, again, put God and faith on people's radar in response to what I feel God lead me to do. And so that idea, taking a hymn and a prayer to the streets came into my head. And so I, I thought, yeah, that could work. And I think it could, you know, I, I come from a family of, you know, non-Christians, non-church going family. I came to faith at 18. So most of, well, nearly all my life, I have not been a person of faith. So I'm always sensitive to people who don't have faith and I don't want to push it on people or thrust it. So I knew I'd need to go about it in a delicate way, but I, I just felt if we get the tone of this right, it could be really uplifting and it could be really, you know, moving and powerful. You know, we're locked in our homes. We can't do anything together. But what if we heard a piece of music outside our, our house? Surely we could come to our windows we could come to our doorways, we could even sing along, and we could just have a communal moment. So that's what I started doing. And the first day I went out on the Portobello Road, which runs right through our parish. And <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. I honestly thought, you know, maybe I'd get shouted at and told to get lost. But I hoped, having chosen, and I thought, what hymn could you, you know, bring most people together? What hymn do believers, what hymn does the church love? What hymn is known by people outside the church for whatever reason. And my thought immediately sort of turned to Amazing Grace, that well-known, you know, historic hymn. And I found a, an incredible, as I pulled out, it was, it was this well thought through or unwell thought through as we turned on to the, the Portobello Road for that first occasion, I suddenly realized I didn't know what version we were going to play off Spotify. So <laughs> me, me and my housemate, who was helping me with the tech, we had a listen on Spotify and we stumbled on Judy Collins, who I knew nothing about. I've subsequently learned she was a rock star in the 60s and 70s. And my mum was like a fan. But we stumbled on her version of Amazing Grace, which is incredibly beautiful, hauntingly beautiful. And we set up shop. I introduced myself, said, look, I'm local vicar. Hope you don't mind. Difficult times. We could all do with having our spirits lifted. Just going to use five minutes of your time to play a hymn and then say the Lord's Prayer. You know, if you don't have faith, absolutely fine. Just keep a moment's silence and lift up people known to you, struggling and the sick and NHS, etc. And so we kicked off and we played the hymn, had a minute's silence, and then I led the Lord's Prayer afterwards. And, and that was it. And there were lots of faces at windows, doorways, flats behind me. And at the end of it, there was just this ripple of applause that sort of suddenly built up and a few whoops and cheers, you know, shouts of encore. And that's sort of where it began. And I suddenly realized, I think in that moment, do you know what? I think this could be really well received and could really 
touch people. And, you know, long story short, went on to do it 64 times through that first lockdown on my tricycle. I was in the car originally, but then chatting to my bishops, they're like, look, it's not quite an essential journey. And so I was like, well, what if I do it as my daily exercise? And they're like, yeah, okay. So I rented a tricycle and put the speakers in there and, and got a portable petrol generator so I didn't need to plug into anyone's home. And I just travelled around London, a lot of places where I was invited, went to a number of hospitals and, and played it over the hospitals and heard amazing reports from people in, in those hospitals, in beds, you know, on the corridors. You could hear one surgeon saying we could hear it in the operating theatre um, waiting room, which is, you know, it was just moving to hear that these words, amazing grace, these words of hope that speak of God's love for each one of us, his grace for each one of us. And, you know, my message was always that we're not alone in this. We're passing through the valley of the shadow of death. But there's a good shepherd who wants to walk alongside each one of us. His name is Jesus. He's alive. And you can reach out to him. You know, so that was my little message of hope each time. And yeah, and the rest is sort of um, a fun adventure to go on and suddenly seeing the media take a bit of an interest because and that's how have... you got the name the portable priest because you weren't well, you weren't using that name before obviously before the pandemic i wasn't but i was using the name the portobello priest because i ah, was based ah. on the portobello road so... so not such a big leap yes no so one <laughs> journalist you know i suddenly started chatting to journalists and having booking in interviews and things and spoke to one journalist who wrote up her report and sent it to many different news agencies and she wrote it up as calling me I said oh, I'm known as the Portobello priest on Instagram which was obviously I set that up for my local parish so that they could see what the church is up to and eavesdrop in on what what's going on but she wrote the report and rechristened me renamed me as the portable priest which at, at first I was like oh no but then I was like well, hang on, that actually makes it's a lot of sense. It's very snappy, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yes. So did you have any bad reactions? Because I, uh, when I watched some of the coverage, I think I was really struck by how positive everybody was. And if you described it pre-pandemic and said, you know, a priest is going to turn up with some speakers and play a hymn, I mean, it just sounds to me like the kind of thing that's so un-British that everybody would have been, you know, horrified. They wouldn't have been rushing to their windows. They would have been almost a bit kind of, you know, gosh, why is this happening on my doorstep? But it was so exactly. well received. But I think I'm sure I read uh, you said someone pulled your plug out at one stage. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, early on, I think about the sort of ninth, you know, or tenth time I went out visiting some friends in Vauxhall who had invited me to go over and do it on their street. Uh, early on, I was driving, like I mentioned, but I was also plugging in with a long extension cable because it was a powerful speaker system I was using like a 1k speaker system and so they lowered down their extension cable careful not to touch anything or anyone in those times and wearing gloves and that sort of thing but they lowered their extension cable I plugged in my cable put the speakers on the roof of my car and started introducing myself and just before getting onto the song a lady came out of her ground floor flat and was like do you have any idea how disruptive you're being and I sort of in, in, in a my pandemic, head, that's quite rich, isn't it, to say that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But also in my head, I was sort of like, yes, I sort of do. You know, it's very loud. But I said, look, I'm so sorry. You know, it's just going to be five minutes. We're just playing a hymn. 
you know, just trying to lift spirits. So we started playing it and she'd gone back in her house. Halfway through Amazing Grace, I saw her appear again. So I went to intercept her again to just say, look, it's just two more verses and then we're pretty much done. But she saw the extension lead and she saw where it went and that it joined about head height into the first floor flat, lowered down extension lead. And she went straight up to that before I could get to her and she just unplugged it. And so that that was the end Sorry, of that. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. No, it was quite amusing. And I, I did post it, you know, I posted it sort of saying, it's, you know, it doesn't always go smoothly and it wasn't always received well. I mean, I would say 90, you know, 95% of the time it was really well received. I got unplugged by another guy on another occasion who had a lot of anger about the church and its teaching historically and issues today, you know, so he was ripe for, for an alpha course. He needed to discuss those things and get them off his chest, but he came up and unplugged my iPhone from the speaker system as well. So that cut it off mid flow. But then amazingly the community that were out there, this was on a, a council estate in North Kensington, the community sort of, I really felt for him. I was basically always in his corner and always defended anyone who had an issue like saying look no they've perfect perfect right to not loved what's going on and we want to honor that but his own community sort of started booing him so instead of booing me they were sort of like no we want it put the music back on you know so they basically did an encore and so we we plugged back in but it you know it wasn't always loved and I'm sure there were many others who didn't come and confront me who were sitting in their homes thinking I wish this guy would shut up you know, and we're glad when I packed up and moved on. But I think the vast majority, you know, it's cheesy to say had grace for it, given I was playing Amazing Grace, but there did seem to be a grace over it. And they did at least, I think, tolerate it and recognise that it was a positive, hope-filled moment, which is what we needed back then. You just said a few minutes ago that you still do the YouTube services. And I remember reading quite early on in lockdown, a lot of congregational leaders saying they were seeing much higher levels of engagement with online services that they'd been seeing in church attendance. And we have, you know, obviously there's been lots written in the press over the last, I want to say decade, at least five years about dwindling church attendance, not just the Church of England, but, you know, kind of very many different faiths apparently a quarter of us attended an online service during lockdown which I was really staggered to see because it's that certainly isn't represented by the percentage of the population that actually physically go to a place of worship why do you think that was yeah well I mean I think it feels different even now like a, a year on but we take ourselves back to the that first month or two in this global situation with the world, you know, on lockdown and this sort of unknown virus and unknown spectre sort of stalking the streets, bringing with it this plague, you know, bringing with it sickness and death. I think people naturally get shaken up by that. You know, it's been a great teacher, you know, of our mortality this, you know, last 12 months. But I think when people, you know, foundations are shaken, and people's sense of security is challenged or removed, 
people do ask deeper questions. And certainly in the face of death and the potential for it, people want to, you know, sort their insurance policy out, you know, and um, should we put it like that? Are, we allowed, wanted... are we allowed to describe it like that? An insurance policy, I like that as a description. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm certainly like, that's a big part, like the, the greatest hope and peace I have is knowing knowing where I'm going when I die, knowing who I belong to, that God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loves me and has accepted me and, you know, eternal life. When you have that hope, that trust, you really have nothing left to fear. You know, obviously there are blows and challenges and heartaches in this life, but you know the big story and you have a confidence. And I think when people in this time of shaking you know, other things that they put their hope and trust in, be it, you know, materialism or just friends and good times and going out or travel or their work, all of that was impacted. And when that happens, I think people recognise, you know what, I don't know what my foundations are. I want to look into things. So in a sense, I'm not surprised by that 25% figure. And I think also another reason why it might be high is it's given people an opportunity to anonymously drop in, you know, on churches and hear what, what people are saying, you know, without being approached or anyone saying hello to you or offering you a, a cup of uh, lukewarm tea or whatever it might, whatever they fear might happen in a church. They're able to just drop in and no one can ask them any questions and they can make up their minds. And I think that's, you know, those sort of com- those factors combined. See that, that hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And do you think that's going to carry on? I mean, what's what's your sense? I mean, I think if you'd said to a quarter of the population, you will turn to God or you will turn to some form of, you know, service, they would have said no way, wouldn't they, before, you know. Do you think, are you seeing this as a resurgence of people discovering faith? Do you think, do you think it's, or have you noticed it sort of drop off since the beginning of lockdown when you were doing a lot of your cycling yeah. services? It's, I mean, I think it's too early to tell in some ways. I mean, there has been a lot of interest and people from outside the church drawing close to it, perhaps rediscovering their, their faith. We're seeing some high numbers online. Our YouTube service on a Sunday come sort of Tuesday, it's generally been watched, you know, almost 250 times. Before lockdown last year, we were maybe getting 100 adults on a Sunday. And each YouTube viewer, I mean, I think they say, you know, multiply that figure by 1.8. So 250 is maybe at least 400 people watching a service. And that's just my church. And every church is sort of seeing that. So I think people are continuing to explore. Once we open up the doors again, I only hope that they, having got to know us anonymously online, they might feel confident that, because I think some people are scared of like church and scared of crossing the threshold and what they'll hear, what they'll experience. It's a funny old building. But if they've got to know the community online, I think it gives them a confidence and a, a peace about, you know, coming through the front doors because they feel they know us already and then they come and get to know us in the flesh. So I think certainly churches will continue to do stuff online. I think that's been a big revelation is just the chance to, you know, any business is always looking to increase its its market access and market share. And I think that's something church has seen, that if we're online, people do tune in. Whether we get people, get a lady tuning in from Argentina each Sunday morning, you know, it's probably not going to be practical for her to join us personally in the flesh on, this, on Sunday. But if we continue to do it online, she can join us there. She can. And yeah. so I think churches will continue to have an online presence for sure after this and I know Nikki Gumbel who pioneers the Alpha course which is the best way I know of to explore life's big questions and the meaning of life and questions of faith you know they've seen a lot of interest in their biggest courses during this lockdown time and he actually thinks online Alpha works better than Alpha in the flesh because people can do it from home they feel safe at home, they can always leave the meeting at any moment. They don't have to and, worry about people talking to them, yeah. as you just said um, earlier. Yeah, It doesn't seem to hold people back from opening up, even though it's on Zoom. I was really interested last year in reading some of the kind of research into how people were finding faith during lockdown. Um, and one poll that leapt out at me said that it's actually, it's Generation Z, so that's the current teens still at school, early 20s, who were more likely to believe in God than millennials in their late 20s and 30s. And one suggestion was 
these with which they could worship online. So I was wondering, are you seeing more teens? Is that a demographic that you think you've connected more with as a result of YouTube and some of the other stuff that you're doing on social media? Yeah, I mean, it's Instagram has been, I guess, a main thing that I've discovered and used over the last 12 months, sort of seeing the Portobello Priest Instagram account and I'm not big on social media, and I wasn't a big user at all of Instagram before. I've probably done two or three posts, or maybe ten, as the Portobello priest, and had 200 followers, you know, before March last year. And now that account has got 10,000 followers, which is interesting. And I think a lot of them are younger, certainly. Whether they're teens, I don't know. I know that certainly they engage and tune in on social media and Instagram and other other platforms. I mean, I only really use Instagram, but yeah, I think that's, I've, I've heard that before as well, you know, about this generation being more open to the idea, you know, of spiritual things. But I think that's happening across the board, actually, you know, people of all ages, you know, the expression, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. Yes, is, I've heard that so many times. Yeah, it's sort, it's sort of the one I think that captures where the culture is now at which 10 or 15 years ago you found a lot more atheists or people who thought they were atheists than you do now i mean you suddenly find a lot of agnostics now but i think most people recognize or say i think there's something i just don't know what it is so there's an openness and there's a spiritual hunger and thirst which makes sense because as i believe you know the bible tells us we are all you know made for spiritual things and God has set eternity in the hearts of all people and so there's a longing in us that can only be satisfied by spiritual food and spiritual drink so it's encouraging you know I'm encouraged by that sort of data coming through. So you've said you think a lot of churches are going to kind of stick with online services or using online you mentioned Alpha doing courses online and you're carrying on with YouTube. So what's what's the impact going to be on churches then? Because I, I, I think there was a lot written in the press about why do we have to have our churches closed in lockdown at a time when people might really need them? I do remember reading a lot of, you know, kind of people asking that question and they have been shuttered for a long time now. Do you think we're going to move to a time where we don't have churches, where churches are redundant, where we're all sitting and looking at a screen? I don't think so. I mean, I think the data now is showing, like, young people just aren't, you know, they've just had enough of Zoom. I think most of us have had enough of screens. As soon as things open up again, we'll be out there, hopefully. I mean, who knows? Maybe our addictions to our iPhones are just too strong. We probably are. But absolutely not. I think people are longing to reconnect physically. We're made to connect physically. You know, there's a reason God gave us bodies. There's a reason God sent Jesus. You know, God the Son came and took on flesh and became a human being because he could have just done it over Zoom. You know, he <laughs> could have just done it with a voice from heaven. But he took on flesh. He came to connect and to be one of us and with us and alongside us. And we're made for relationship. You know, we're made to connect. And so I think church, my hope and prayer is actually the other side of this. We'll see a bounce, we'll see more people, we'll see people have been longing for community and, you know, separated from their communities for so long just now. And church is 
God has made it so that we need to gather. You know, he says, where two or more gather in my name, Jesus said, I am there in the midst of them. So if we want Jesus to be with us in our midst, he's told us that actually we need to gather. You know, you at least need to have two of you there. <laughs> and, you know, the central event, worship event of the church's life, you know, are, you know, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, communion, is a meal. You can't do that on Zoom, can you? You can't yeah. do that on Zoom, no. It's broken bread, poured out wine, you know, the body and blood of Jesus, and it's everyone eating together. So, you know, I think God in his wisdom obviously foreknew that there would come a time when we might be able to do everything on online or on Zoom, and so he stipulated, no, you need to gather to to share this meal together and share the Eucharist. So church will always be needed and the need and the desire to gather physically, I think will always be there because it's a, it's a human one. But even theologically, the church is called to gather together and to be there. And, you know, you can't hug someone virtually, well, yet at least um so i don't i don't think we're there yet at all in fact i think this pandemic although it's shown the strength and amazing resource that online resources are i think this pandemic's shown the church afresh the importance of, of gathering yeah and i think that's what your cycling services showed as well didn't they because you know that that hunger for people to gather together you were showing them the power of what happens when you when you do that by taking the church to them as i I said at the beginning at a time when everyone else was saying oh look we're going to do this via a screen i hope so because it's lovely when i would do it and i would see people come to their doorways and you know you would see neighbors sort of waving to each other you know and just doing having those little moments of connection which obviously they would normally say hi and wave if they saw each other in normal life but in lockdown we see a lot less of each other. So it was at the very least giving people a moment of distraction as well as a beautiful piece of music, as well as, in my view, you know, and what I saw again and again was just God actually meeting with people, his presence being there and just people being in tears, people being deeply moved and touched and not not really having the language for it because they perhaps don't have faith and they're like, they don't quite know what was going on, but they just knew something special and... And I believe that was just God coming alongside people saying, look, I'm here. You know, just reach out to me. You don't have to be alone. And is this something you're going to carry on doing, do you think? I mean, I think you've you've stopped doing it at the moment, haven't you? Or you're not still cycling with your... No, I'm not. And I don't actually... I mean, I rented that tricycle. I don't have that tricycle normally. Oh, Um, I thought it was yours. (laughs) No, perhaps perhaps when I have toddlers who need cycling around, I might get one. They're very good. I rented it. So I haven't felt led or called to go out. And I I think the time was sort of like it was a thing for that moment. And... I don't, you know, that lockdown was unique in the sense that I think pretty much everyone was staying at home. We were only allowed out, you know, for one form of exercise a day. And churches were closed and people couldn't gather. So this was especially a, me on my bike, you know, the portable priest was especially out and about during a time when people couldn't go physically to church. But now churches are open, they're allowed to be open, and, and many of them are open on Sunday or during the week. Ours is open for private prayer on a Wednesday, you know, for a couple of hours during the week. So I think 
things have changed. So I don't have any plans at the moment, but I'm always, my attitude is always, Lord, here am I, send me, you know, whatever you want me to do. I'm, I'm yours to be deployed wherever you want. So let's see. Let's hope we're not in that pandemic, completely sheltering at home for very much longer. Amen. Yes. Pat, I want to end just by asking you some questions about you and your use of tech and social media. And you've touched on some of it, actually, by saying early on that you weren't a big user of social media, that you've kind of, you know, started using Instagram more and you're using YouTube through the church. So I always end up with three questions for everybody about their their personal tech news. Do you have three words that you would use to sum up your relationship with technology and the digital world Mm, three words i think well the first word that comes to mind is grateful i think it's an amazing resource and for my line of work for you know an evangelist someone called to spread the good news about jesus christ it's an incredible resource and platform for getting that word that message to a wider audience so i'm i'm grateful for it i'm Slightly, I mean, I'm a tech, I'm essentially a technophobe. I'm, I'm very bad with technology. I need a new laptop My um, that I'm slightly, never quite know what I'm doing with, with tech. But so I, I'm slightly over overawed might be my second word. You know, just like, gosh, what's, how, what's the best way to use this? How do I use this? But that's tech in general. My third word, I think, would be addicted. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's interesting. I'm, <laughs> I'm possibly too, like all of us, you know, you get addicted to the scroll, don't you? Every few minutes, like the hand reaching into the pocket, opening up the same apps, and you've got a sort of this merry-go-round or roundabout of, you know, just going round and round on the same loop, like BBC Sports, you know, BBC News, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, email, and just like going round and round and round and without, you know, finding what one's, without a real need to be doing that, it's more like just a a habit or an addiction. So I think there are risks, but there are great rewards as well. Those are three words. (laughs) Well, you're my first vicar that said they're addicted. So I, I think we really are in a bad way, Pat, with the (laughs) <laughs> with the digital well, do you know world. what? I've just, <laughs> I've just given up uh, for Lent, which we're in the midst of Lent, yeah. uh, forty days. I've given up social media for Lent. So it's have wonderful. you? Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I'm not missing it. So that's that's good. I gave up chocolate biscuits. Maybe I should have given up social media. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe next year. <laughs> Second question: What do you wish you'd known? about the digital world or maybe about social media or any aspect of technology before you started using it, either in your capacity as a priest or kind of personally? I think I wish I'd known more the potential of it and engaged sooner with it or more practically, more strategically with it, knowing the potential to 
connect with people because that's all it is isn't it it's it's people it's like it's people that are at the end of this it can be overwhelming because those people are without end you, you can reach the whole world and it's like you know 100 years ago people barely got out of their village and now you can sort of touch the world so I now think you've got that I'd, woman in Argentina coming to your services. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'd have liked to know the potential, but also, like you know, I think it would have been good to know the risks with it, you know, and just what goes with it. Whether it's I haven't had any tr trolling or abuse on it, but it's terrible to hear that, isn't it? Like online bullying, the risks of that, but also the risks of the more addictive qualities, the dopamine hit, which we can't seem to get enough of. So those two things, the potential and the risk. Is it the pandemic that's shown you the potential? Is it kind of, has that really made you realise how you can use it? I'm just curious. No, I think I knew before that. I think, you know, it's been around for some time now, hasn't it? The, yeah. And Facebook was, before I was on Instagram, I was on Facebook and that's incredibly useful for church stuff and ministry and events and that sort of thing. But also... It can be a real bore that, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to be off this. But you're sort of like, but it's too valuable a tool to not use. So, yeah, I've, I've known about it, I guess, those, those things for some time. And finally, what do you think you've learned about yourself from your relationship with your smartphone? I think I've learned, well, it's underlined, you know, my fundamental calling is to, to be a a preacher, a communicator of the good news, you know, that Jesus is alive, that he has the power to change our lives. And I'm an evangelist, I'm, so I'm, I'm a communicator. And I think it's helped underline that sense of call that I love to do that. You know, I love to get out there and take hope to people and do it physically in the streets or post a little video online or on Instagram knowing that hundreds or even thousands of people might watch it and, and be blessed by it so it's it's encouraged me in my own sense of call and I guess to realize that you know I, I'm okay at it I'm quite comfortable on it making little videos or thoughts for the day or that sort of thing and engaging that way but it's also made me realize you know I'm also at risk of that the more addictive qualities of it that repetitive strain injury is a, is a genuine risk uh, in the wrist or hand from handling these little devices in a strange way that they demand <laughs> you mentioned bbc sport earlier i noticed is that is that one that's a particular draw for you it when is. you're on your phone <laughs> it is although um yeah it's not yielding much joyful fruit today given the the England batting collapse. The cricket, yeah. In the in the cricket, yeah. yeah which is pretty, <laughs> pretty disastrous so far. Twenty-two for no wicket, India in reply to one hundred and twelve all out. I know. So I was just before I got on to do the interview. I was just checking up on that myself. Pat, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you. Tanya, thank you for having me on, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. 
If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Lost everything you try to see Cause we've all been swept away, yeah Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.